You are listening to the Young Black Travelers Podcast. Black voices chatting on experiential travel, dedicated to creating a global community of travelers. Be bold, be inspired, be spontaneous. We are YBT. the Young Black Travelers Podcast. My name is Simone, and today I will be speaking with Anthony. Anthony, tell us about yourself. Hey, hello, hello, everybody. Hello, Young Black Traveler um, subscribers and followers. Thanks for joining today. So my name is Anthony Wilson, and you would have probably met me in some of the previous podcasts where we talked about um, some trips to Eastern Africa, but I am also known as ARW, so you can call me ARW from here out. Um, And I'm just a new traveler with Young Black Travelers and very excited to share some of my stories. Okay, (laughs) ARW. Which Mm -hmm. one works better? Do you want that or should I be calling you Anthony? What you feel more? ARW is good. Anthony's good. Whatever, whatever feels comfortable. Okay. Whatever is natural. All right, that sounds great. All right, so thank you, Anthony. We're so excited to speak to you because we know you have a interesting short um story to share with us today, and so I'm excited to hear it, and I'm sure our listeners are as well. So let's get right into it. So. Tell us, what do you do, um, Anthony, um, professionally? What do you like to do in your free time? Why do you like to travel? Okay, so um, professionally, I am vice president of Dime Community Bank. I've been in banking now for about 25 years. Um, So that has been my career of choice. That's the day job. Um, Outside of that, I'm a part of so many different things. I am a um, officer of my church, so I'm very involved in my um, local church organization. Um, I'm also part of a lot of other non-for-profit organizations. Um, Lots of um, work having to deal with youth, young young adults, um, and now more recently doing some more more non-profit work with diversity and inclusion. Um, And so that's what I do. And travel. So I've always loved traveling. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I've shared in some of the previous podcasts, you know, growing up as a first generation Guyanese American, um, you know, before I could think about it, I had a passport because my family's from Guyana. And so we went back home often. And during the years of struggle when my family was new to this country, Mm -hmm. all my summers were spent in Guyana, like school closed today. And tomorrow I was on the plane. My mom was like, you got to (laughs) go. No, I hear that. (laughs) Uh huh. No, um, thank you for sharing that. And so for those who is your first time listening to Anthony speak, thank you so much for that background. But for those who are returning with us and you already know Anthony, you're hearing the backstory again. And I could definitely relate to that um, growing up in um, Jamaica and leaving when I was um, fairly young. But not being able to really share in that experience of kind of going back and forth. And as an adult now trying to like explore that um, side of my heritage. Um, so that's really cool. Um, so give us a back, a little bit of the backstory of going to Ethiopia. Why Ethiopia? Oh, wow. So this, this really um, was not my doing. Uh-huh. Um, big shout out to Asher and young black travelers. Ooh, ooh. Um 
I had been contemplating traveling with Asha and the group for, for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have a very demanding life, a very busy career. And so sometimes I say I'm going to do something that I don't get a chance to. But I ran into Asher at an event, um, actually at Gracie Mansion on the mayor's lawn. Okay. And he was telling me that he's gearing up to do like an Eastern African trip. He's visiting four countries, nine cities. And I was very, very interested in it. And so I started asking for more information. And like always, I'm, he didn't really believe that I was really interested. <laughs> so we left the event and I followed up the next day with him. And then he realized that I was really serious. And so when he started to share information with me about the trip and where where he was planning to go and all the destinations, and I just made a hard decision right there and then that I was going. And it was literally um, a month before the trip. <laughs> so it was like a quick decision. There we go. That's all it takes, right? <laughs> Mhm. Mhm. Okay, that's great. All right, so tell me a little bit about that trip planning. Um were you like, "Hey, I'm interested in mostly the food. I want to explore the culture. I want to do these um cultural institutions." Like how did that go? Like how, what was your input into how this itinerary came along? So what was awesome was that since I came on so late, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the itinerary had already been developed. So I was working um, along with um, Stella, mm-hmm. uh, who was on the trip, and Asher um, on just understanding what the itinerary was. So they had sent me this spreadsheet and they started going over things. And so because I was kind of late to the planning, I didn't want to shake, rock the boat too much. So I said, you know what? This itinerary looks really good. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the things that I'm always most interested in is really understanding the culture of the country that I'm in. Right. Um, you know, getting some history and, of course, experiencing food. Yeah. So I felt like all those things were represented in the itinerary um, for the most part of the trip. So I kind of was OK with what was already set. OK, nice. Um, what was there? Was there something that stuck out to you? Like you're like, oh, OK, I can't wait for this. Um, let's see. Um, definitely the highlight of the entire Eastern African tour, um, was, you know, the portion where we gave back, um, to the children in the orphanage in Kenya. Oh yeah. Um, you know, doing, doing that work is very, very important to me. And so I rallied my church, True Gospel Ministry, shout out to True Gospel Ministries yes. of Brooklyn, New York. Pastor John MacArthur. Um, I rallied my church up and in a very short period of time, um, we raised quite an amount of money and people came and bought donations and supplies awesome. and clothing and all kinds of things. So I would definitely say if I had to give an answer, there were so many remarkable parts of this trip. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely that was the highlight. And when I saw that we were going to be doing that, that even kicked my interest into high gear. Nice. All right. So um, thank you, Anthony. So we're going to take a really quick break and we're going to come back for the meat and potatoes of Anthony in Ethiopia. Be right back. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking to Anthony and he is about to get right deep into his trip to Ethiopia. So Anthony, so I know you went on this trip with a group of people and you are alone now in Ethiopia. How did that happen? 
Oh my goodness. So uh, this is a very interesting <laughs> story and this is really good for this type of podcast for people, you know, who are wanting to learn about do's and don'ts. So mm-hmm. um, we are in Stonetown Zanzibar, our, our last day. Um, this is our last day with one of the other members, um, Stella, who was leaving us to go back home. And so it was going to be Asher and I mm-hmm. for the last leg of the trip in Ethiopia. So now we leave Stonetown, we take a ferry ride. The ferry ride was disastrous. Um, at some points, we thought we might have even lost our life. It was what? crazy. Go back to our Zanzibar uh, podcast, and you'll learn more about that. But we finally get to the, um, we, we take the, the ferry from Stonetown back to Dar es Salaam, mm-hmm. where we would go to the airport to get our flight over to Ethiopia. We get to the airport. We're already shaken up from our ride. Yeah. And so I pull out my visa. Now, one quick thing to note is that when we were planning this, I am I was the older one on the trip. I'm the grandpa on the trip. <laughs> so <laughs> I was super, super prepared with everything. And I remember us having a conversation about whether or not we should print out visas or if we should have them on our phone. And everyone else was like, no, we don't need to do that. We can have it on our devices. Da, 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 da. Anyway, I printed out everything. Yeah. So we get to the airport. And we stand in line, um, you know, the first check-in section where they check your, your ID and your, um, uh, your boarding pass, et cetera, to, to let you in to start checking in. So we stand there and Asher goes first mm-hmm. and he provides his passport. The woman looks at it and she goes, visa, please. So he says, well, I don't have my visa. I'm going to get my visa upon arrival in Addis Ababa. Okay. So she looks at him. She goes and calls her supervisor. So I'm like, oh boy. Oh, here we go. Supervisor comes. They start speaking um, in Swahili. They're talking. And so the supervisor says, well, you have to have your your um, visa. So he turns to me and asks me, what do I have? So I pull out my passport and my visa. They verify everything. So I'm good to go. Right. So now they're, they're making phone calls because Asher, you know, had done some research beforehand and you know, he was under the impression that mm-hmm. he didn't have to have his visa to enter the country, that, but that he can get an, a visa on arrival. arrival. Okay. So they were not obliging to that. Um, they called another supervisor and they had oh a discussion and they said, you know, this is, we cannot do this. We cannot let you out of this country or into that country without a visa. And oh. so basically at that moment, the adrenaline is like rushing to my head because I don't know what to do. Yes, because, I could imagine. Yeah, like the first of all, I don't travel alone. I don't like traveling alone. And it's been years since I've traveled. Yeah. Right. So now we're on this trip. We're all comfortable together. We're going to Ethiopia. And now it's looking like he's not going to be able to come. So he's getting on his phone. He's making phone calls. He's trying to call the embassy. All these things are happening. And it's already four o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. in Ethiopia. So everything that he's calling is closed. As it's getting closer to the time for us to board the flight, I'm looking at the time and I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to make a decision. Right. Um, either I stay here with Asher and we figure this out or I continue on and hope that Asher can come get his stuff rectified mm-hmm. the next day and come the next day. So I go to him and he's like, before I could say anything, he's like, you've got to go on this flight because you're going to be stuck 
to go back home because my All flight right. back home was from Ethiopia. Yes. So when he said that, it relieved my anxiety a little bit and I didn't feel as guilty to leave him behind. I in know. <laughs> so he goes, go get on the flight. I'm going to message you um, and I'll let you know what's happening. Let me see what I can do. So mm-hmm. I go, I get on the flight reluctantly. I'm still feeling bad because I've now left him. Um, get on the flight, get to Ethiopia. Then I realized that he has all the information for the hotel. (laughs) So we're messaging on WhatsApp. Anyway, long story short, that's what happened. I had to leave him behind. So he went elsewhere. And I ended up in Addis Ababa by myself. Oh, (laughs) I could imagine. Oh, my gosh. How you must be how you must have felt at that moment, especially as you just said, like you haven't traveled by yourself in a while. So but you're like telling people already, like making sure that visa situation is taken care of. Yes. um, Beforehand. What what they shared with us was that a lot of times what you see on the website, if Mm -hmm. you're not on a verified um, national site for that country, the information may not be up to date. Right. And even if you are on the the, the national site, um, the verified site or official site, um, information changes. you know, from time to time. So it could be, you could be right in the middle of a change. So long story short is listen to the grandpa, (laughs) file for your visa online and then print it out. Do not listen to Asher. Print it out, take a copy of it because if push comes to shove, at least you will be confident that you have it. Very go. And you will be going to Ethiopia and, and having fun <laughs> and enjoying yourself. <laughs> yes. Lesson learned. Thank you. All right. So we're in Ethiopia now. So tell me, so what did you learn on this trip? Like, how did you navigate the city? Like, how was the hotel? So, tell us a little bit about your experience. So up until Ethiopia, I didn't have to really do anything like between mm-hmm. Stella and Asher, they had it under control and I just <laughs> kind of rolled with them and I didn't have to think. So coming into Ethiopia, the first thing it was I had to figure out where my hotel was, what kind of hotel transfer I was going to have. So I come out of the, I come out of the gate or the terminal mm-hmm. and I am now ready to leave. So um, I'm approached by an att- by a, a, a gentleman who's dressed, looks like he works for the airport, has a badge on wants to know what hotel I'm, I'm staying at. I tell him which hotel. And so he says, okay, I'll call your shuttle. So okay. I'm like, okay, this is going great. The same gentleman says to me, do you need to exchange money? Uh-huh. Again, I have not had to think about this the whole trip because Stella and Asher did such a great job of making sure that we planned ahead for these things. Right. So, um, so yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm going to need a few dollars. Um, so he says to me, well, you can go to the bank or you can go to the exchange cameo and they're going to give you 52, um, 52, uh, Ethiopian dollars for, uh, one us dollar. Okay. But I can give you 56. Now, oh, if you've ever done international man. travel, you know, there's always the opportunity to get more than what the bank or right. the official cameos are giving. Right. So I don't trust him because I'm from Brooklyn, New York, and we don't trust that easy. Right. Um, so I decide to walk over to the cameo or the, the exchange um, booth. Good. And I went and it did, in fact, say that they were giving 52 mm-hmm. Ethiopian. So I said, OK, well, he's not lying. So I went to another cameo and it said the same thing. So I went back to him and I gave him some money to change. 
He changed it for me. And I felt like I had gotten a deal because I got $4 more. Okay. Only to fast forward and find out later on when I got on my shuttle and I'm talking with the guy in the shuttle uh-huh. that I could have actually gotten a better deal and I could have gotten 80 US dollar, 80, 80 um, Ethiopian for one US dollar. No way. So, um, <laughs> tip number two is don't listen to the first person you see. Get into the country, get into your hotel, talk to people, you know, that you can trust in the hotel and get information about how you should change your money, et cetera. Right. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Yes. But you're learning as you go, right? You're kind of tossed Absolutely. into this situation. Absolutely. So I would say so far you're doing okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it wasn't bad. I mean, that was a bummer, but it wasn't that crazy right. because I didn't exchange a lot because I didn't intend on spending a lot because now I'm at the end of my trip, right? So my my budget is decreased. So I'm staying at the Grand Palace Hotel in Addis Ababa, Mm -hmm. um, which what was important about this hotel, um, which I learned through Asher, was that this hotel was 100% Ethiopian owned. It was owned by, it's owned by a woman who is Ethiopian. Awesome. And so that was important. So I get the shuttle, I pull up to the hotel. It was only maybe about... 15 to 20 minutes from the airport and it's nighttime. So I go in and I walk into this very grand, you know, um, entranceway and lobby and I check in. And so now I'm there and I'm by myself and I'm like, what do I do next? <laughs> <laughs> right. Because I'm by myself. Yes. And I, I don't like traveling alone. Yeah. I, yeah. I know. I know you're figuring this out as you go. <laughs> So you get to the hotel. How was that experience? I love that it was um, locally owned and a woman. And so how was that experience? So the hotel was great. Um, I checked in. Everything, of course, was under Asher's name. So they kept calling me Asher. So after a while, (laughs) with the language difference, um, because they speak Amharic, Mm -hmm. um, I was like, okay, I'm just going to be Asher. And I think that that just makes it easier for everyone. There we go. Right? Yes. Okay. Um, so, you know, I got there. I checked in. It was too late to order dinner. Everything had been closed down because I, we got in, I got in late. Okay. Um, so I just went to bed. Like I went, I checked in, I got in my room and I called it a night. I checked in with Asher to make sure he was okay. Uh-huh. Um, and then I just went right to sleep because it had been a long day. Um, and I was just going to prepare for the next day. Right. Understood. Yes. Yes. After all of that. So tell me a little bit, what were some of the highlights? Like how, what did you plan for your itinerary? So I did not have an itinerary and because I wasn't with the group, I decided mm-hmm. not to go with the itinerary that was planned for the group. Okay. Um, I um, spoke to the hotel attendant and she connected me with a guy named Solomon. So Solomon works in conjunction he's an independent contractor but he works in conjunction with the grand palace hotel so if you're ever in Addis Ababa and you're at the grand palace hotel ask for Solomon he is amazing so he was my guide so he met me bright and early the next morning and we sat and discussed what there was to do and how we could get it done nice and so that's when I learned about the exchange rate and how I could have gotten more etc cetera, etc cetera. so Solomon sat down and told me all the wonderful things that they were to do. And then Mm -hmm. I was able to decide what I wanted. So what I decided was um, I wanted to go to um, the Haile Selassie's palace. Yeah. 
um, where he was, where he and his wife are buried and entombed. Oh. Um, and on the palace grounds, there is like this cemetery um, that that house that that where a lot of very famous Ethiopians or dignitaries are buried. So that was an interesting experience. Mm-hmm. Um, we also got to visit the Haile Selassie Museum, where there were a lot of artifacts and. Um, things that would have been used um, in his time during his reign. I got to tell you about the palace. So we walk up to the palace. It's huge. It's large. It's grand. Mm -hmm. But it's under construction. So as we walk up, there are people literally laying on the ground of the palace steps. And it looks like they were worshiping. I couldn't hear what they were saying or or who they were saying it to, but they were like crying and very emotional and people were bringing flowers. And it was just like, wow, this is like, this is, this is something, this, this means a lot to some people. And so my, my guy, Solomon, he says, do you want to go inside? So I'm like, sure. I'm thinking it's the normal thing to go in, (laughs) but apparently you can't just go in. So he knew like the gatekeeper. And so oh, he went and he spoke nice. to him and he said something. And I, I think it looks like he slipped him a couple of dollars uh-huh. and they allowed us to go into the palace. And what an experience. Wow. Um, if you follow Young Black Travelers vlog on Instagram, I actually posted some of this stuff, some videos I took. So we go into the palace and we are, I'm immediately told to take my shoes off. I got to take my socks off. I had a hat on. I had to take my hat off and we begin to walk really on the palace grounds and so this was pretty major because in my studies and in my my times of research Mm -hmm. um, because i'm very interested in royal families throughout the world so i remember seeing video footage of this actual palace these grounds the courts and so i was in it so it was amazing um and as i walked closer to what would be like where the the where he would have sat on his throne wow I started to get like very emotional mm-hmm. and um, I, I started to feel something, you know, like if we were in church, we'd say I was feeling the presence of God or the Holy Spirit. Right. Uh, I started to really get this feeling and my heart started racing. Anyway, I was able to see, you know, his tomb where he and his wife were buried um, and some of the, the, you know, the chairs, the throne that, that he sat on and everything. And that uh-huh. was an amazing experience. Oh, wow. Um, so your body mm-hmm. was reacting to all of that. Yeah. I was like, this is a force happening. So then it made me kind of maybe understand the way how some of the people outside were reacting. Right. And then the other thing that was important about this was as I as we drove up to these palace grounds, um, you could see the, the red, the gold and the green. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're Caribbean, obviously you you identify with those colors. Um but maybe you identify with it in a different way. You know, growing up in Brooklyn, you know, the red, the gold, and the green was always synonymous with Rastafarianism. Right. Um, so I got a chance to learn a little bit about Rastafarianism and did not know yeah. that Rastafarianism um, came out of Haile Selassie. Yes. And yes. that his name was Ras. His first name was Ras and his last name was Tafari. And oh. I did not know that. So just like how Christians are, you know, G- people who follow Jesus Christ are Christians. Right. By the namesake. Right. Rastafarians are the namesake of Ali Selassie. That was interesting to me. I didn't know that. So how did that connection, um, did he have a name change? No. So um, 
what I understood by visiting the the museum, which is an old church on the palace grounds and like an Orthodox church where he would have worshipped his personal worship time. Mm -hmm. um, they turned it into a museum with a lot of artifacts from his palace, clothing that he would have worn and things like that. What I learned was that um, in his bloodline, a lot of people, a lot of their names were began with Ross. Okay. So it was kind of like one of those things where the names passed down, but then there's another identifying name. So he was Rastafari. Got it. Okay. Or Rastafari, you know. So it was very interesting to learn that um, and to learn about that whole thing. No, definitely. So, mm -hmm. And I'm always interested as well, as you stated in the beginning of when traveling, learning that um, history and connecting it to culture, because a lot of things start making sense, right? Those things that we see or how even like we grew up hearing things and then knowing the reason why people do certain things or where it comes from is like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Those connections are starting to happen, start to happen for us. So thank you for sharing that, for that learning moment. Yeah. Um, so how did that connect to the culture? Did you see um, that evolved into the culture at all? So what was interesting was what I expected was that I'd see a lot of Rastafarians, right. you know, like throughout Ethiopia, throughout Addis Ababa. Um, I thought I would see a lot of people with locks mm -hmm. and I did not. Um, a lot of the people that I saw were the opposite um, and they were not necessarily Rastafarian. Mm -hmm. um, so that was interesting to me. I Solomon took me to um, a remote mountain. It's called the Shashamani mountain or village. Mm -hmm. And that is where, you know, in the 1930s or whatever year, whatever time frame it was, um, the Rastafarian movement started specifically with individuals from Jamaica who had made a pilgrimage to what they call Zion, right? Mm -hmm. um, and Zion is in Ethiopia, which I didn't understand that. I didn't know that before either. I always thought of Zion as something else, but the Rastafarians, Zion is Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. So there's this Shashamani village that was about six or seven hours away from the city of Addis Ababa, which we got up very early and we drove to. And it's basically this colony of Rastafarians, not just only from Jamaica, because now it has grown, but there are right. people from St. Lucia. There are people from my country, Guyana. Um, Rita Marley um, has an estate and a home there, and they are through and through Rastafarian. You know, it's just their pure culture there. And so oh. the weather was a little bad that day, so I didn't get a chance to do as much as I wanted, but I got a chance to see them in their own element. Right. And that was really, really interesting. So that was where the majority of, uh, you know, the Rastafarians, those practicing Rastafarians actually resided. But right. in the city, no, I did not see many of that, much of that. So what was the culture mostly um, that you can describe in the city? So I, from what I could see and from my observations, um, it's a very Muslim city. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I couldn't help but get the feeling that and I felt this throughout the, the entire continent of Africa as we were traveling, but I really felt it in Ethiopia. Um, you know, reading the Bible growing up, you hear 
about, you know, Jesus's hair was like lamb's wool and his skin and the color of his skin and all these kind of things. Right. And I couldn't help but feel a connection to maybe the physical identity of, of Jesus Christ <laughs> by, the, by just looking at these people in Ethiopia. Mm. I, I felt a connection to his physical identity um, talking to these people. people. They, they were the description of what I saw in the Bible as the way these, you know, the people in Jesus' time looked, there their hair, go. their eyes. And so that was very, very um, interesting for me because the more I talked to people mm -hmm. and saw people is the more I saw that. I saw this like messianic look on them. It was very interesting. Right. And so you you were right around um, the region also, right, where all of this was taking place. Um mm -hmm civilization and all of that so that's that's awesome it seemed like you really were able to kind of create your own um itinerary and see the things that you wanted to see on this trip were there something else that kind of caught your attention that you want to share with everyone so the other thing was you know if you're going to plan a trip to ethiopia you go to disababa so first you got to make sure you visit Haile selassie's palace and those palace grounds so mm -hmm. there's a lot of great things to see there but additionally there is this place called the unity park um and the unity park is right in the center of the city of Addis Ababa. and what it is is the old um palace grounds of the founding emperor emperor menelik would have been Haile Selassie's like great uncle or something to that effect. Don't quote me a bad historian. <laughs> okay. Um, but Emperor Menelik um, the first and the second, we got a chance to tour, you know, his palace and his palace grounds. And what they did was the, the, the grounds was so massive that the city of Addis Ababa turned it into a, like a state park. Oh. And so, all these grounds were there and you could visit and you could see and then there was the museum and you know the the banquet hall the historic banquet hall where over the years even dating back um centuries where all of the the receptions and and heads of state would meet and come to are all inside of unity park and then it's just a beautiful park so i spent um one day in there literally almost an entire day Oh. just <laughs> discovering around Unity Park. So I would definitely shout out Unity Park and say you should visit there. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, it that, sounds that. like a place to gather, right? Unity. Mm -hmm. So definitely. Um, so you guys heard all of that, right? Um, the palace, Unity Park. Um, so all of these things for us to be able to go, if you're planning a trip to Ethiopia, to be able to go to. And we will be making some notes for you guys, um, hotel-wise, where to stay and what to do. So thanks for sharing all of those. What would be like your suggestion on how to navigate um, the streets, the society? Like, What would be some suggestions you would give to our listeners? So I'll definitely say um, I felt safe. Okay. Um, and I spoke with a lot of people who were there, who lived there, who were visiting, who were regular visitors. I met a gentleman who worked for the UN who spends a lot of time there. And he assured me about how safe it was. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely, you know, if you can connect through your hotel or through maybe your travel agency, et cetera, with a driver, you know, if you can have one person 
who works with you throughout your trip to move you around, that would be my suggestion. It just makes it so much easier. You know, your anxieties are are not so heightened, mm-hmm. you know, if you have to continue to find a new way to get around every time or new taxi or whatever. So I had this gentleman, Solomon, um, who basically, you know, was my tour guide, but he also moved me around. Yeah. Um, because a trip wouldn't be a trip if you don't get to to experience the food. So I got a chance to experience the culture by food. Mm-hmm. And um, I was familiar with some of the food because I, I eat Ethiopian food here in New York. I have a very close family friend who is from the region of Eritrea, which is just south of Ethiopia. They mm-hmm. border um, and the food is the same. So I got a chance to have some injera. Nice. And I even got a chance to make injera. I had a woman show me how to make it. Oh, um, if you go I to love my a page, good cooking class. Yes. If you go to ARW8096 on Instagram, I have all those videos there of, of some of my times and, and the food. And so that was also great. So nice. I would definitely say if you can connect with one person who you can develop a great relationship with on your trip to move you around, who is trustworthy, um, you know, who in hotel or a travel agency or previous um, travelers would vouch for, then I would say that's the way to go. Shout out. What, what, what was his name? Solomon? Solomon. 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 And you can reach him through the, the Grand Palace Hotel in yes. Addis Ababa. He sounds amazing. Yeah, he was great. <laughs> got, got you um, some behind the scenes kind of look. I like <laughs> yes. that. <laughs> yes, yes. That's the kind of tour guide you need on a trip. That's that's what I'm talking about. So you mentioned, so mention maybe one or two like restaurants that you went to that you're like, okay, this was good or a specific food that you're like, people must try. Like what, what would you say? Okay, so you cannot go to Ethiopia and not try injera. Mm-hmm. Um, Tell people for those about of us that. that are Caribbean, it would be kind of sort of like a roti, but it's not the same um, consistency. It's a little um, doughy. Mm-hmm. Um, but put you in the mind of like roti or or like a fajita. Um, so injera is like a staple food, and they basically make a lot of stews. A lot of um, meats are cooked very, very like stewed up. There's chickpea, there's potato stew. There's all these different stews that come on one big platter. Um, and you basically break your injera, you dip it in just the way you would roti or or if you had a fajita with something and you eat that way. Um, all eating is done by hand for the most part. And in all the restaurants, they're like outside... In addition to the bathroom, there are like faucets where you can wash your hands everywhere. Okay. Um, one of the things that I noticed socially is that um, if you're not eating as a family, the men are usually eating together. The women are usually eating together. And you see a lot of men feeding each other. And it's mm-hmm. it's um, it's like a, a social thing, you okay. know, that's done. So that was great to see in action. Right. Um one of the restaurants that I visited that the food was amazing was a restaurant called Kitengwa. And I hope that I'm saying it properly. It's K-A-T-E-G-U-A, Kitegwa. Uh-huh. Um, that food was great. It was traditional Ethiopian food. And that's, again, right in Addis Ababa. And it was jam-packed and crowded with a lot of local Ethiopians. So if Love you know it. anything about me, I go eat where <laughs> I see the locals eat it. Because Same that tells here. me... 
Yes, then I'm getting an authentic experience. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Say that again. Yeah. So you heard that right, right here of where to eat. Try that injera with that stew when you go to Ethiopia. Well, thank you, um, Anthony. We're going to take another quick break and we will be right back, y'all, to close out this conversation. Welcome back, everyone. Um, we had such an enriching conversation with Anthony. And so we're just going to close out. And I want to start by just giving a shout out um, to at Mafi Mafi underscore ET, which is the t- a top clothing designer in Ethiopia. And it is recognized worldwide. And Anthony has a story to share about um, working with them or using their services. Absolutely. So I have to say that in my preparation for the trip, um, Young Black Travelers, again, provided me with some really great content on YouTube, people who had traveled to Ethiopia. And in one of the videos, um, I saw them talk about this designer, Mafi Mafi. And I had actually heard about them before because I'm very much into fashion. Um, And so Mafi Mafi is one of the top, if not the top fashion designer in Ethiopia and is recognized all over the world. And so I'm at my hotel and it's my last day and I'm like, I'm forgetting to do something. And I remember, oh, Mafi Mafi. So I go into the lobby and I ask them if they know where Mafi Mafi is. And you would not believe. Yeah. Mafi Mafi was right across the street from my hotel. You're kidding me. (laughs) Yes. It was literally right across the way. So I was able to just take a quick walk over to their showroom. The owner wasn't there when I went. Um, but I was able to try on some clothes. Now, what's interesting about Mafi Mafi is that they are a sustainable fashion brand. Everything is hand-woven on traditional loom um, by artisan weavers in Ethiopia. So everything is basically homegrown. And so you can see that in the texture and the quality of the product. So I did some shopping because I wouldn't be ARW if I didn't. Um, (laughs) And I was able to get some really nice clothing um, from them, which hopefully I will be able to sport um, in the upcoming winter season. Nice. So shout out to Mafi Mafi. Love it. Um, Definitely going to be supporting them online because I love the clothing. That sounds good. Yes. And I'm going to go check them out also. So (laughs) I'm glad you were able to enjoy that experience of just walking across your hotel and um, checking them out. So that's really cool. Um, So tell us, Anthony, like when you travel, like what are some tips that you would give to that you can share with our listeners of what to do? So one of my biggest issues or challenges, I'll say, I'll use the word challenges, um, is that I always overpack, right? I Mm -hmm. overthink. And (laughs) I definitely did not wear, I didn't even wear a third of what I packed. So I had all these suitcases with all this stuff and it was so unnecessary. Um, I would definitely say check the weather in the cities that you're going to. Make sure that you know what the weather's going to be like for this season that you're traveling and bring very comfortable things that you can explore and discover in um, and don't overpack like I did. That's number one. Yeah. Um, The other thing I would definitely say is it adds a lot more value to your travel experience 
when you sit and do some research and some reading on the country and the region that you're going to. Because when you get there and you're actually able to visit some of these places and have some of these experiences, it makes it that much more rewarding because you would have already done research and homework. So don't just show up and let the tour guide give you the general statement about what something is. Get some content before you go so that when you go, it is so much more rewarding and you've just added so much more value to your experience. No, thank you for sharing that. And we just did a recording um, with Emily, who is in Alaska, and she mentioned and she talked about um, cultural tourism, right? And that importance of researching where are you going, the natives that are there, um, the culture, and and visiting some of those cultural sites that is important to the people who are there and being conscious of how we move around in the spaces that we go to. So thank you for saying that again. Yeah, um, That's absolutely. like really important. All right. So I know you did Ethiopia um, this year and I know what we were talking a little bit before and you mentioned you did turkey right after so i'm kind of curious what are you looking forward to this upcoming year with travel or do you have any more for the rest of this year so young black travelers has incited madness to travel inside of me so all i want to do is travel (laughs) um i did make a trip um shortly after the Ethiopia trip to Turkey. I have a an aunt that lives there. So I guess we'll talk about that on another on another show. There we go. But I did visit Istanbul. Um, for the rest of this year, I'm thinking that I might be making a trip to Germany. Um, I have some friends that are going to be there for the holidays. So mm-hmm. I, I might be planning to join them. And for next year, you know, I'm wide open. You yeah. know, I don't necessarily have a specific um, destination. All I know is that I better do at least two or three international trips and learn about some other cultures next year. It's got to happen. There we go. And I love that, that passion and that excitement. That's what we aim to do at um, with the young Black travelers, right? We want people to get out there, see the world, learn, and to bring that back home and share it with other people, get them excited. And they too want to go explore their community and um, the world as well. So that's how we learn. That's how we grow as people. Um, So thank you. That sounds amazing. And maybe we can do another one with Young Black Travelers as well. And you can come along and everybody will be able to go to all the places because we listen to Anthony's tips about visas. (laughs) So that we can all go and be together as a group in each place. Uh, no, but that's awesome. So I hope you can go to all of those places. But Anthony, I want to just thank you so, so much for coming on and sharing your experience. This was a delight to have you. So thank you. Awesome. Awesome. And thanks. Thanks for having me here again. Thanks for the opportunity. I'm looking forward to more travel and more podcasts. And if you're tuning in, thanks for listening. I hope that you got something from me. Um, But remember, if you get a chance visit the Young Black Travelers blog on Instagram um, to get some more, you know, highlight on some of the things I talked about because I did tag them in every post. And you can also visit my page on Instagram. That's A-R-W-8096, where I did quite a few um, posts about my trip to Ethiopia. 
perfect. And I was just going to ask you to share your IG. So that was awesome. Thank you for that. And once again, we want to remind our listeners to support our podcast by becoming monthly contributors so that you can continue to hear great stories. Simply go to anchor.fm slash young black travelers. And remember, y'all be safe. Wash hands read about the countries you're going to and have fun enjoy y'all thank you so much anthony bye to our listeners next time bye-bye